Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings of one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this on Tuesday, December 15th, 2020. But I guess we should start because you were the one who uh, actually watched the Hellstrom show. That was FX. Was that correct? You know, I honestly don't even remember who who took responsibility for that. All I know is I took a bullet for the team, so you didn't have to suffer through it. It wasn't that mm-hmm. bad, but I'm not surprised to find out that it's not getting a second go around. Yeah, they got canceled after just one season. As Variety pointed out, that effectively ends the Jeff Loeb era at Marvel Television, which, by the way, is now a defunct division of Marvel Entertainment. If the house goes away, are you still a tenant in that house that's no longer there? Yeah, yeah. Or are you just a guy in a field? (laughs) (laughs) There were some good shows that were done under Marvel Television. I mean, I, I was a huge fan myself of Agent Carter, and you talked with great enthusiasm about Legion, which... By the way, yeah. did you see as part of that Disney Investors Day presentation that I guess they it's not coming stateside necessarily, but they're setting up an, a new division called Star that's going to be the 18 plus material. And when they showed the tab, so to speak, of what was going to show up on Star, there was a, a mothersly big tab for Legion that's going to find a new life as part of well, a variation of Disney Plus that I'm hoping comes stateside at some point. Huh. But I remember when you were talking about Hellstrom initially, it was neither fish nor fowl. Yeah, I mean, it, it was very middle of the roadish. And if your main character is, you know, the son of Satan, mm-hmm. then go full hog. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there should be no tiptoeing around the tulips on that. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do it, embrace mm-hmm. it. It just seemed like it was a little watered down, a little, you know, we don't want to offend anybody. We want to keep it safe. You know, we're going to change the son of Satan to the son of a serial killer who just happens to have demonic powers. And we're not going to be able to explain why all of a sudden. And it was like a monster of the week Mm -hmm. X-Files episode where Mulder and Scully are brother and sister. And they both have demonic powers Mm -hmm. because daddy was a serial killer, apparently. And then the very last episode gives a nod and a wink to the satanic heritage, and then they get canceled unceremoniously. So it all just turned into a big old bowl of meh. (laughs) Seriously, though, is this a, if they'd gotten a second season, could they, of course, corrected? I tell you what, it almost would have been a very good companion piece to New Mutants. Ah, Okay. Because New Mutants did actually travel down the horror route. Mm -hmm. They embraced Mm -hmm. it in a proper, we're going to try and do some real horror i didn't find it scary personally but they tried i mean you could see all of the horror tropes Mm -hmm. at play so you have to acknowledge that they tried and i think if if hellstrom would have taken that that nod from new mutants had they gotten a proper release Mm -hmm. and given a chance to make some money if they were like a sleeper hit then maybe that could have been a thing where hellstrom because, you know, remember, New Mutants was on a shelf for many, many mm-hmm. years, so they would have had time to retool Hellstrom and give it a little bit more bite in that case. But because New Mutants sat on a shelf and it never got a release, I think they were going to try and play it safe with Hellstrom. And then they close, you know, Marvel Television mm-hmm. and rebrand it for, the, you know, Marvel Studios is now taking control of all of these things. And, I mean, that's all fine and good. They had some good experiments and some failed ones. I mean, the Inhumans, I think, was a a necessary failure. Mm. I mean, you got to stub your toe every once in a while. And that was one where it didn't all come together quite as perfectly as they had hoped. And they took a little bit of heat for it. And they went, okay, we're not going to make those mistakes again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When we end up talking about these things later on, when we talk about the sizzle reels Mm. of some of the things coming out to Disney+, Plus. I saw the Falcon fly like it. He was top gun through the canyons. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, had the, the visual spectacularness of a film trailer. Like that's a blockbuster you're going to see 
in the summer, but it's not. It's for a TV show. And I was like, man, I wish we could have had that kind of energy and enthusiasm on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They did some cool special effects every once in a while. But this stuff is glossy, shiny, beautiful. And we'll talk about it more later on. But yeah, when we compare some of these shows from Hellstrom and and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's, and then we're going to compare to what we get on Disney+, Plus. Mm-hmm. there's going to be a world of difference, Jim. Yeah, but, but one thing worth pointing out here is, remember, when we were talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and remember, as we got into season five, six, seven, we'd only get 13 episodes, 10 episodes. Right. And they were still working with that sort of television mindset of, okay, we have to spread out our budget, so to speak. Whereas these limited series where, you know, you're doing six episodes of something and we've talked about Kevin Feige. In fact, I was fascinated by the fact that he continued to lean into the limited series lead to the theatrical events and then the theatrical films lead to, you know. The interconnectivity of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And what was fascinating to me was to watch two entirely different corporate mindsets. I mean, Kathleen Kennedy, when she was talking about all of the stuff that Lucasfilm is doing, she talked about 10 separate TV projects and two theatrical films, which Mm. to me, you know, underlined circles and indents the idea that Star Wars, at least for the next five years or so, lives on television. Right, yeah. The Mandalorian showed them that this is where they will have huge success. And so lean into that. Let's do that. Whereas Kevin, I would imagine there are exhibition companies, you know, the, the exhibitors, movie theater chains that are, you know, lit candles and set up altars to Kevin Feige because it's like he mm. still believes in the theatrical experience. Black Widow's coming up to theaters. And yes, all of these limited series will make you want to go to the theater to see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and the like. In the exact inverse of that, very recently, uh, Zack Snyder said he was kind of hoping that his Snyder cut that will only show on HBO Max will get a theatrical cut one day. And I'm like, you idiot. That's the exact opposite of what they're trying to do with this whole project. You are going against corporate mandate. Shut up. Sit in the corner. Make your movie. Not only that, the theatricals, but did you see that he was also talking about, yeah, I think this one's going to get an R? And it's like, yeah, oh. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. That, that, that. I mean, it should just be unrated, right? Because usually you get the, the theatrical thing mm. and it gets rated. Mm. And then when you get the, the DVD with the bonus features, it doesn't get rated a second time. It's just the unrated version. So let it just be Justice League unrated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the way, though, we were, we were talking about R-rated superhero material. And mm-hmm. you did catch Kevin talking about Blade, didn't you? The development and the storyline is coming together and we'll have announcements very, very soon. And it just leaked that we now have a release date for Blade. It's October 7th, 2022. And again, I know we've had this conversation before as far back as the first Venom movie. But the idea that because it's the Halloween month and you launch your film in early October, that you can get that wonderful Venn diagram of the horror fans and the superhero fans, and that appears to be what Marvel's trying to do here. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. I wouldn't release them in uh, February and, you know, Valentine's Day. <laughs> well, Take a bite out of your honey with blade. Take a bite and put the steak through the right heart. So It fits exactly mm-hmm. in October. And really, with the slate of stuff that they've got planned for both Star Wars and Marvel... Mm-hmm. They got a full calendar. Oh, no, no, absolutely. So when you have a full calendar or, or enough stuff mm-hmm. to fill a calendar, you better use smart placement after that. You can't just throw stuff willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're going to put their vampire stuff in Halloween. It's the only place that makes sense on the calendar. Okay. Just a couple of housekeeping notes here before we plunge into the news portion of the show. And, by the way, the news segment of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of Marvelous Disney. For a worry-free travel experience, book online with storybookdestinations.com. Okay, last week we talked about how Governor Newsom was threatening due to the ramping up COVID rates in California, you know, the, the fear was that they were going to shut down Disneyland Resort, the, the portions of it that are open, downtown Disney, as well as how they, they'd opened a certain portion of California Adventure to holiday shoppers. Well, it turns out we were partially right. 
Governor Newsom did, in fact, sort of lower the boom and outdoor dining in the state of California. In fact, all restaurants uh, were forced to close. Uh, retail has been allowed to stay open. But the interesting thing is retail had reduced store capacity by 20 percent, which means that the spider bot that we talked about from Web Slingers, the Spider-Man adventure that uh, they began selling at Anaheim's downtown Disney, it, it has become a hot toy and it also has become a difficult to get toy largely because of that uh, 20% reduction in retail. but Well, the store is so small, you can at this point only stick a hand inside the doorway <laughs> and have them toss it out across the counter to you. It's 20% capacity right now, I think. There we go. But again, if anybody out there has a story of about what it took to score a, a spider bot for this holiday season, we'd love to hear from you. So let's get started talking about what's coming over the horizon. We are we are entering the tail end of 2020, thank God. So just over the horizon, we have WandaVision, which we now have a release date, January 15th. But did you catch the announcement just today that on Disney Plus, they're going to put basically a primer series? The Marvel Studios Legends that debuts on January 8th and the first episode basically is about Wanda and Vision. The way the press release reads says this is a new series that revisits some of the more iconic moments from the MCU, one character at a time. And the series kicks off with Wanda Maximoff and Vision. Reading between the lines here... I'm wondering if somebody at Disney talking with the folks at Marvel was the effect of, you know, for a lot of people, they haven't seen Wanda since April of 2019. And even then, she just comes in at the end of Avengers Endgame and battles with Thanos. But, you know, it almost sounds like a half hour long episode of previously on MCU. There we go. And then there they just we pick up with everything Wanda related from the time they are discovered mm-hmm. at the bonus credits, end credits scene mm-hmm. of uh, Age of Ultron all the way through to recap. And and now we have Wanda mm-hmm. and, the, and then it picks up with the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about what it's No, 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 I think you have nailed it in one. Given that we now know that Falcon and the Winter Soldier will debut on March 19th, I would put down good money that the very next Marvel Studios legend is... Like the week before that or so. There we go, and same thing. Yeah. That really should be the name, previously. (laughs) Previously on MCU. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. that check goes to Aaron Adams, folks. What's interesting for me is that they're not kidding around, that the rubber really hits the road in uh, 2021, because again, as we mentioned, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and, and in fact, you were just talking about that trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. and Their sizzle reel actually had some sizzle yep, in it. Yep. It does not look like your standard television show. And that's the thing that I really got giddy about mm-hmm. in all of the footage that they had to show mm-hmm. was it all looked cinematic in scale. Mm-hmm. It was a man with wings flying through the air really, really, really fast. You don't get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you put some some money up on the screen. And that's the mm-hmm. thing, you know, Jim, when it was before it was terrestrial TV, mm-hmm. we got Agents of Shield for free. Yep. Our payment was we had to watch some commercials every now and again to, you know, to get through it. But here we've got to buy a ticket, which is the monthly subscription mm-hmm. of of Disney Plus. And uh if you've noticed, for example, CBS, they're starting to air Discovery old episodes of Discovery on CBS. That's an interesting point. Yeah. So we've got an inverse thing happening now where it used to debut on network and then go to streaming. Mm -hmm. Now they're going to make you pay for streaming Mm -hmm. and then they're going to air it several years later on the network. And that's the new network material. So I wouldn't be surprised that if some of this ends up airing on ABC years from now, like a holiday special or a you know special Marvel week or whatever they want to do, they'll have that ability. Speaking of a holiday special, what did you think of the announcement of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? I'm all for it. Okay. I mean, we've got to have something different. And I'll I'll scream that all day long about all of this Mm -hmm. stuff is it just can't be the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. 
you got to have a point to mm-hmm. it. Even if that means that you go sideways with something mm-hmm. and just go into left field for a minute, then go to left field for a minute. Just make it worth our time. And if we end up having fun with it, then great. Uh, it's a, a wonderful experiment. If it feels miserably like, you know, the very first Star Wars Christmas special, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you don't do that ever again. Well, but, but see, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because supposedly it's James Gunn who's been going at Kevin Feige about doing a Guardians holiday special. We have fun with ourselves anyway. And this is the only set of characters that you could really do this with, that, that you could do right. the almost the Star Wars holiday spoof special. But yeah, evidently he's been after Feige for years to do it. Feige finally caved when <laughs> evidently James supposedly made it part of his deal to come back in Direct 3 that, and we do the holiday special. And it's like, okay, you can do your holiday special. And they're supposedly going to shoot the holiday special when they're shooting Guardians 3. So uh, they're going to be shooting the stuff for the Disney ride. (laughs) Remember, supposedly the stuff for the Disney ride is going to be shot during Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was going to say, that's like triple dipping on your contract there. It's like, hey, come on in for this movie. Oh, and we're going to do some commercials for Pepsi. Oh, and we're going to do a holiday special. Oh, and we're going to do a ride for the theme park. And it's like, hey, wait a minute. Do I get to take this costume off ever again, or am I just now Star-Lord, period? Pretty much, pretty much. So to get back to the limited series, what did you make of the Loki trailer? The D.B. Cooper? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. That like tickled me in a deep mystical way, mm-hmm. and I can't explain how or why. Because I think DB Cooper happened when I was so incredibly young, but it was like a bad guy that made a robbery on an airplane and jumped out and got away. And it's like it's mystifying, right? Mm-hmm. It's a legend. And to have Loki become the legend was like, okay, whatever happens in this show, I will watch it just to get to that scene and find out how we got there. When Feige described it as a crime thriller, yeah, I have to admit, I enjoy the fact that they, they seem to be mixing it up tone-wise and style-wise and story-wise, but it's like, Loki in a crime thriller. Well, he's the god of mischief. He's the king of lies and deceit. Mm-hmm. A heist would be kind of right up his alley, an, an Ocean's Loki, um, a Loki 11, if you will, okay. where, yeah, he's got to do something mm-hmm. for, uh, was it the Time Variance Authority? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different things that could be done throughout, you know, with, with the time travel thing thrown mm-hmm. in, uh, with him causing mischief in, in various crimey sort of ways mm-hmm. throughout time. Uh, yeah, there's a, a whole bunch of potential fodder to be had that's just fun yeah i so i'm very eager to learn more about that same thing here same thing here but at the same time i mean the notion okay so we have you know wandavision january we have falcon of the winter soldier in march we have loki in may we have ms marvel supposedly dropping in the fall of next year and in between that is the animated what if Kevin stood on stage and leaned in hard to the interconnected thing. I mean, he he talked about how characters and from the limited series will then cross over into the feature films. I mean, for example, what is it, Aman Vellani, the the young lady that they've just hired hired to play Kamala Khan, uh, Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. They were right up front about the fact that that character goes out of her own you know limited series. To appearing right alongside uh, Brie Larson in Captain Marvel 2, which uh, is supposed to drop in theaters in November of, of 2022. Conversely, it's not the TV folks who are, are just going, you know, are going into the feature film. It's the feature folks who are going into the television. I mean, what did you think when you heard that Mark Ruffalo is, in fact, going to show up in She-Hulk? Right now, I am willing to bet you a good old-fashioned straw penny that we will never, ever, ever see an MCU film or TV show with just one hero ever again. Do you remember back in the old Iron Man days when the only person in it was (laughs) Iron Man? (laughs) That will never happen again, Jim. Spider-Man right now, Mm -hmm. 
has got every villain from every universe and possibly even more Spider-Man in it. Yeah. We're just never, ever going to have like an Incredible Hulk movie Mm -hmm. where it's just the Incredible Hulk will never happen. It'll end up being Hulk versus Wolverine when we get the X-Men involved or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's just never going to be another solo superhero movie in the MCU because they've got everyone signed to lifelong contracts practically. Mm -hmm. And it's for not just your three or four movies of your franchise, but it's also for an appearance in two or three TV shows. And you got to use your voice for the animated thing and probably a couple of video games. And then we're going to have you be in other people's movies because everything's got to be connected Mm -hmm. five different ways. So, Yeah, it's a tangled web, and it will never be untangled to a single thread. Never again. From Civil War going forward, the fact that William Hurt's General Thunderbolt character, who, again, we we Hmm. were, what? uh, uh, (laughs) He was in the original Hulk that featured Ed Norton. Yeah, all right. Which just solidifies that as being canon for our MCU. But that said, it, it just kind of startled me that Tim Roth is, as part of She-Hulk, supposed to come back as Emil Blonsky, the abomination. And it's just sort of like, yeah. that far? I mean, I guess, again, I shouldn't be surprised if they brought Hurt in to play the general again. You know, all right. So, you know, as you mentioned, that's canon. But it's like, really? We're going to reach that far back? Abomination was actually considered as a villain again for, I want to say, one of the Avengers movies, not as the main bad guy, Mm -hmm. but a backup baddie, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, And I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head, but either way, they have considered utilizing him Mm -hmm. in other ways besides just right now. Mm -hmm. So not terribly surprised to see them finally pulling the trigger on that. Okay, then talk to me about, you know, face it, we knew from the announcement a couple of weeks back that Samuel L. Jackson, you know, was going to play Nick Fury in some sort of limited series. But Mm -hmm. would you have predicted that Secret Invasion? No, I wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just my lack of overall knowledge of Secret Invasion that I'm not overly enthusiastic for Mm -hmm. it is just because of my own ignorance Mm -hmm. of it. Okay. Maybe if I had read it at the time, Mm -hmm. I'd be more, oh, I can't wait. So I'll have to go read up on that arc Mm -hmm. and get refreshed with it. But right now I I can't can't be excited. I can't be disappointed. I can't be anything. I'll just go, okay. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of that, it's not like we're going to get the young Nick Fury stories So I guess that's kind of where we last left Nick Mm -hmm. was with the scrolls. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess it kind of makes sense that that's the direction that they lead him in, in the future since that's where he left off. Okay. So pivoting to what I personally think is the really big news coming out of, of this event, but what were your thoughts when you learned that after he finishes working on the next Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, that John Watts is the guy who's been tapped to do the Fantastic Four film? I'm hesitant with John Watts as the director. Really? Why? There are certain things on rewatching the Spider-Man films Mm -hmm. that start to not throw me as much as they once did on first viewing. The repeat viewings have let me down. Really? Yeah, and the thing is, I want to blame Sony Mm -hmm. and Into the Spider-Verse because every time I watch Mm -hmm. it, it's great. Mm -hmm. It never fails. Mm -hmm. Every every moment is good. And there's very few movies that still hold up for me. Scott Pilgrim versus the world is one of them that's like perfect and every scene is just flawless. Um, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is another one. Mm-hmm. And then when I go back and I end up watching the Tom Holland movies, they're just not as packed with laughs and energy and enthusiasm. I mean, they're good. Mm-hmm. That's the weird thing is, as as a big Spider-Man fan, I'll gravitate to the original Alfred Molina Spider-Man 2 mm-hmm. and watch that front to back and and fully enjoy that. And then it starts to become a struggle of like Spider-Man homecoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really haven't put on in a couple of years. And then I've only rewatched the trippy scenes of Mysterio mm-hmm. 
where he's messing with Spidey's head like three or four times since that movie has come out. And I've rewatched Into the Spider-Verse dozens of times. Mm -hmm. So as far as longevity goes, mm -hmm. I, I'm looking for a different director on that on that Fantastic Four announcement. Okay, okay. And a, a valid criticism. And, and you're not wrong about the Sam Raimi Doc Ock movie. For me, for my money, that is the best of the live action of Spider-Man movies. But again, mm. you're, you're not also not wrong about Into the Spider-Verse. I mean, that was such an amazing film, which is why, again, again and I know we, we've talked about this multiple times on Marvelous Disney about the casting news that keeps coming out about the third Tom Holland film. In fact, just in the past week to 10 days, we've had news of William Defoe and Thomas Hayden Church, who are supposedly negotiating deals with Sony right now to come in uh, and, you know, make appearances. But what I keep hearing from friends at Sony is the effect of understand that when we say these people are coming in to appear in this film, don't expect them to be like huge major characters carrying full storylines that may be the case with one or two, but not all of them. There's really an attempt underway. In fact, it's kind of ironic, given your affection for Into the Spider-Verse, that they they seem to be trying to capture some of that feel, some of that energy in this mm -hmm. third Tom Holland film. It just strikes me as bizarre. It's like, Kristen Dunst, do you, you, you really need her version of Mary Jane even for a cameo? It's like, how? I've had certain problems with the rumors, mm. the nonstop rumors about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield coming back as previous Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it makes absolutely zero sense on so many different levels, because if you got, we've already confirmed that Jamie Foxx is back as Electro. Mm -hmm. That we know. He's announced yep. that he's not playing mm -hmm. the blue version mm -hmm. of Electro. This is a new version, right? Mm -hmm. We've had confirmed that Alfred Molina is coming back as Dr. Octopus. Mm -hmm. Well, he died at the end of Spider-Man 2, so he obviously can't be the same one. So what the sense is, is that we're going to get a different incarnation. Mm -hmm. But the scientific fact of this fiction mm -hmm. is that the Alfred Molina will always be some form of Doc Ock, that Jamie Foxx's character will always be some version of Electro. And then you've got Tom Holland... And then you throw in Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield as two totally different aged Spider-Man, one now in his, you know, late 40s, you know, mid 40s and one in his mid 30s and one who's, you know, just cracking 20s. Mm -hmm. how, how does that work all of a sudden where they're different? Mm -hmm. And now we've got different MJs and that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, the only thing that's consistent is we've got different versions of our old villains, mm -hmm. but we've not had any confirmation of Toby or Andrew, only fan speculation of mm -hmm. it. So I'm like, that. I don't think that's going to happen. We love our Tom Holland. Mm. Why would they even invite back another couple of Spider-Men, mm. even for a cameo? You don't need it. If you have the villains there, you're implying something, right? Mm. Somehow you're you're implying that they exist in a different universe. We don't need to have three Spider-Men. Like I said before, we'll never have just a single superhero movie again, Jim. We can't just have one Spider-Man. Yeah, um, I know. But beyond that... Mm. Beyond that, we also had the rumor of Matt Murdock being cast. Yes, yes. In the movie as well, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But he's not going to be coming back as Daredevil. He's going to be coming back as Peter's lawyer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if we've got Matt Murdock, who's defending Peter, mm -hmm. and we've got all the villains from all the different multiverses, like, do we really, really need a couple extra Spider-Men? But here's the one thing that I think is very tantalizing in all of this. Mm -hmm. The speculation of, and this is a comic book that that is, oh, decade or so old, mm -hmm. but Pete just wants his old life back, mm -hmm. you know, instead of MJ always being in danger, et cetera, et cetera. So he makes a deal with a character named Mephisto, mm -hmm. and he gives it all up. And oh, I remember he, this. Yeah. Yeah. And he's no longer married to MJ and he's no longer like having to deal with villains and enemies. And he just kind of realizes how empty his life is. Mm -hmm. But Mephisto is also a villain of uh, Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. 
And wouldn't it be something if at the end of all of this, where Peter's identity is out in the open, mm-hmm. he's got a lawyer defending him, he's got villains from a multiverse, and if Peter makes a deal and says, just make it stop, mm-hmm. I'll do anything in the world, and Mephisto appears and goes, anything? That's how we end Spider-Man 3, and we get ready for Doctor Strange. Okay, this this sounds intriguing. All I ask, though, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock is just so wonderful. That that whole arc of the loving husband and the the good professor who gets taken over by his own technology, and 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 how the character is redeemed at the end. You know, basically sacrifices himself to take out the whatever the generator is that produces yeah. this earth. That was a wonderful arc. That was a wonderful performance. All I ask is that however they bring Molina into this Tom Holland film, that they don't ruin that. They don't take it take away from that. Well, I think part of that hmm. that charm, Jim, yeah. was the puppeteering oh. of the practical tentacles. Oh, absolutely. I you know in fact it's so funny you mentioned that because I was just watching well, first of all, there's this wonderful video of one day Alfred Molina shows up on set and it's, you know, the entire cast is is standing around waiting for Alec, Al, Alfred to show up and, you know, what's going on? And it, look, and it's William Defoe in the Doc Ock rig. You know, he's come on the set for the day and he's, you know, then they're puppeteering the, the, and, you know, and Alfred just roars with laughter because it's like, oh, well, good. Yeah. Take the job. It's tough. Mm-hmm. And there's also a wonderful uh, a video of, I guess he was getting ready. He he was on Broadway. Was it his little dancing well, thing yeah. with the puppet? Well, that's the thing. Yeah. He was playing Tevia, a fiddler in the roof. And, it, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. and it, it's him being, you know, Tevia with, with the mechanical arms. Yeah. I mean, it's just, in a weird way, I think you've, you've zeroed it. You couldn't have gotten the same level. I mean, and don't get me wrong. There are scenes in that film, clearly, where they're using CG. But it, it's sure. that it's those practical puppeteering moments where he's actually interacting with them that really yeah. just send it right over the top. Yeah, I do remember when Sam released the teaser trailer. I think it was at a Comic Con, mm-hmm. but it was when Doc Ock was on the surgery table oh. and he goes crazy with all the doctors, and they they grab the chainsaw oh. and do the little homage with the hoist <laughs> of the chainsaw. Yep. Yep. And uh, and the tentacles go running amok. Yep. And I tell you, I was just a gibbering idiot after watching that trailer. You couldn't shut me up for weeks. Uh, well, that that in fact, that's another chunk you can watch on YouTube. And it still holds up. It's still an amazing set piece. But yeah, that, that's mm. all I ask. Just get, if you're going to bring him back, I'm, I'm excited that he's coming back. But don't screw up, you know, Spider-Man 2 for me. I, I love that film. Now, we've talked about all of the footage so far that was shown, except, well, there's a couple that we've we've not really talked about mm-hmm. yet, but I want to go back quickly to uh, WandaVision yeah. and the footage that was shown for that. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to catch all of or any of the references to what shows they were paying tribute to in some of those scenes? Because some were very specific. Well, yeah. And it yeah. felt like a Brady Bunch reference was in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I could I could be totally no, wrong, but it, no, it no, no. just struck me as there's a Brady Bunch scene there. Yep. Well, first of all, the, there's a, that wonderful moment where the the two single beds become the, the, the one, you know, yep. and that's a reference. You know, we go from the Dick Van Dyke show to the Brady Bunch at that point, because, again, Mike Brady and, and his wife are actually able to be in the same bed together. Was that the first? I always thought it was I Love Lucy um, that did that. Lucy. But maybe they I, they did have two beds. No, or maybe they used the word pregnant on TV was the first they would, time. No, that's it exactly. That, that they were the first okay. show to use. The, you know, and again, they, they were executives at CBS who were ready to jump. It's like, oh, no, she can't be pregnant. Don't let the secret out on how the human race is procreated yeah. for the oh, last six billion yeah, years, people. Yeah. But yeah. the Bewitch was in there, obviously. And again, you you, you nailed the Brady's. Yep. We got the Dick Van Dyke show. Kevin Feige mentioned that if you know your television history, they go all the way to Modern Family. Oh, okay. The talking directly into the camera to the invisible documentary people is there as well. But so, right. yeah, I think if you're a television history buff, this is going to be another level for the show. Uh, but it already looks pretty bizarre to begin with. And from the looks of it, the way that they were framing that trailer, it seems that 
Wanda is completely unaware of what is happening in, in reality. It's like someone is asking her if like she's aware of what's going on. She's like, what? What, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So she looks to be in a complete state of confusion. It's not like she's willfully or, or willingly or knowingly mm -hmm. even doing things of her own free will. It may be something is happening or being done to her mm -hmm. without her knowing it. Maybe someone is using her power from the outside. Yeah, that there were enough images to suggest there was an outside. There was something going on on the outside. So it did suggest right. this is a bubble. This is a, you know, and it, or again, an offshoot of reality, which again, if we're, you know, we're setting the stage for the multiverse of badness and more to the point, what's supposedly happening with, Mr. Parker, at some point in the future, Aaron, we're actually going to be able to break out the whiteboard and make the connections. Right now, we're still second-guessing stuff. Right. I, I did, however, we were just talking about practical effects and that sort of thing. Mm. They did touch for a moment or so on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And I have to admit, right. I was genuinely excited to hear that a member of Jackie Chan's stunt team, Andrew Chang, is supposedly involved in the stunt work for this thing. They were trying to do work of that caliber and wit. That's good. Because Feige dug in his heels and, and you know, again, is trying to deliver for Disney Plus as well as exhibitors. You know, we're still looking at a July 9th, 2021 release date on uh, Shang-Chi and the Ten Legend of the Ten Rings. And did we talk on the last show about the Eternal Toys there was one that we, yeah, there was one that we did talk about a little bit more specifically because okay. I remember it was because he's protecting the the exhibitor window, but at the same time, the business model that the way Disney has been cashing in on Marvel. In fact, can remember there was a meeting between Disney and Sony, and Sony was terrified that that Disney was coming to take back the, the film rights to Spider Man, uh, which was why they were hurrying to get the Tom Holland movie ready. And they were like, no, we don't want the, the movie rights. We want the toy rights back. And the Sony quite happily, oh, sure, take the toy rights, not realizing that was where the gold was. And and that's the thing with the, the Eternals. Evidently, there were somewhere, there were warehouses filled with all of these toys. And I guess somebody accidentally got sent a box. And then there were photos bubbling up online with inferences about the story because of what was written on the back so the kids know how to properly pay, play with the toys. But with the arrival of the vaccine, and we're all supposed to turn a corner come January 2021, but in theory, vaccines become available for to the general public in April, May. But I think, again, as you mentioned, is that still going to be enough time for people to be confident about going into the theater to see Black Widow. That's still May of next year. In fact, May 7th of 2021. I'll tell you what, it's going to be up to the theaters to play their cards smartly mm -hmm. and say we have frontline worker appreciation mm -hmm. night or whatever, oh. because then you're ensuring that all of those people are most likely have been vaccinated because they were put first in line for that. And if you can play on, you know, play smart and realize you've got to target your audience much more specifically than just, hey, world, come on in. Mm -hmm. You've got to you got to speak to a, a specific crowd. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, hey, elderly, <laughs> you know, old folks home, come on in <laughs> because you were at risk. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do senior appreciation night mm -hmm. or we're going to do a deal with the old folks home around the corner where all the residents come in for, you know, five bucks a matinee mm -hmm. or, or whatever. And then you do uh, your your dispatchers, your police, your fire and your medical uh, people and you do a first responder appreciation weekends or whatever you got to do. But you're then guaranteeing that those people have already got their covid mm -hmm. shots and they're good to go out in public without fear. That's, boy, that's a smart PR Venn diagram. Checks, Aaron Z. Adams, yeah. oh, Indianapolis. There we go. All right. Well, just before we close out talking about Investor Day, was there anything else? Yeah, we got we to gotta chat out briefly about what if, because mm -hmm. I want to start that conversation by saying that is the best animation with the Marvel logo I've ever seen. Uh, yep. I've never been thrilled with Marvel's animation. I've always liked DC stuff, mm -hmm. 
whenever they do animated, I thought they've done animated very, very well. Mm. And whenever Marvel did something, it looked like it was, you know, it looked like DC was running at 24 frames per second. Marvel's running at 12 frames per second. Okay. Right. They, Just a little bit more jagged. Okay. All right. I, I, I like the analogy. Okay. And so when it came to this stuff, mm. it was like, oh, they put all of the money there mm. in the ink and the paints because mm -hmm. it looks flashy and it, it looks smooth, mm -hmm. like buttery smooth animation. Now, I'm curious because we've got the Watcher. Yep who's giving us these what if stories and like you said feige was beating that drum everything's connected mm -hmm. so is what if just peeks into the multiverse now Ooh. It, it can't just be its own damn thing it's got to be a, a peek into the multiverse is that is that the vibe i'm getting oh, you know i didn't make that connection yeah i kind of think that's where they're going with this is you know in our 616 universe, things happen like this. However, in universe 3179-B, hmm. it went like this. Okay. Um, well, you know, given that What If is supposed to drop in summer of next year and Multiverse of Madness is March of 2022 and the Spidey film we've been talking about, the live action thing, hmm. that's Christmas of next year. That's an interesting set of dots to suddenly connect. Yeah. Also, by the way, did you also see that you got your zombie Captain America for a brief glimpse in I that footage did, of what I if? I did, and I also noticed it was Bucky, you know, yeah. who was battling with him. So yeah. that kind of resonated. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that one and the funhouse mirror that those sorts of stories mm -hmm. have always been. I, I did want to say that looking at the the most immediate slate, mm -hmm. I like this the variety that we have. Mm -hmm. One division, we've got old timey sitcom, family sitcoms from the sixties to now. That and we're playing with weird stuff there. In Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it's more your straight up I don't want to say spies, mm -hmm. but they've got action, they've got intrigue, they've got a case to solve, whatever. But it's your your standard Marvel MCU, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But then when you get into things like Loki. Mm -hmm. A time heist again, a different mm -hmm. one, but you know he's he's pulling a job uh, across time and space. Sounds like fun with Loki, mm -hmm. so it's different enough again that I'm happy. And what if, even if it is peeking into the multiverse in in many different ways, uh, it's animated. It's not the standard MCU, so it, again, different enough mm -hmm. that I feel a sense of variety, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm liking here, Jim, because. Halloween, sometimes you get a Nutter Butter. Sometimes you get some of those damn Smarties. <laughs> you know, and you're like, uh, what if you got all Smarties? Oh, we would just cancel Halloween altogether, right? So we need some variety to make sure that everybody's happy. If you didn't like one show, oh, we got another one coming up around the corner that you're sure to love because it's different. And I think that's the key there. Like, for me, malted milk bowls. But I get what you're saying. So Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll tell you what, folks. When we get back, we'll talk about another Disney Plus series that's begun production of the way in New York right now. So have you seen any of the imagery coming off of the Hawkeye shoot in New York? Yes. The comic book fans, they have just been marveling over the art direction or the shots that have been coming out where it's like they've literally pulled panels out of individual comic books and put them mm -hmm. up on the screen that it's just sort of like, it's like, oh, this is what we were hoping you'd do. Now, mind you, you know, sometimes when you're that slavish, uh, it's like the Zack Snyder version of Watchmen. Right, they can backfire can. all of a sudden it for can. some reason. Yeah. But um, but I'm I I have to admit I'm I'm kind of hopeful about Hawkeye. Really, you know I, I like what I've been hearing. I like what I've been seeing, and so hope that that works. But again, you have to trust the people who are are making these things. You have to trust the people back at Marvel Studios that are calling the shots, making the casting choices. And this week they made a, an interesting call. They're gearing up to do yet another Ant-Man and uh, film. In fact, this one's called Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, I want to say. That just sounds like a damn Disney ride. 
It really does. Quantum mania sounds like, you know, you go into a tunnel that's got flashy lights and you get in a crazy car that spins and, oh, it's quantum mania, guys. Yeah, well, please keep your hands and arms inside of the brown, ugly van at all times. But again, remember, we've been introduced to Cassie Lang, Ant-Man's daughter. As they move forward here for quantum mania, they've decided to recast uh, for Cassie, the actress Emma Furman is being replaced by uh, an actress who's appeared in Big Little Lies, uh, Catherine Newton. And it's one of these things where it's like Ms. Furman, uh, a 19-year-old, she actually took a page from the James Gunn playbook. Rather than complain about, you know, that she'd been dealt a raw deal, you know, she, she hopped online early today and reached out to, you know, her fans and the fans of the Ant-Man movies and, you know, Endgame and said, just wanted to come here and say that I see all your kind message and thank you for your support. It meant the world to me. I am sad as all of you are. Uh, they hear the news Thursday. I can only hope this means that something else for me is in the future of the MCU. And I will always be grateful to be a part of the MCU and the biggest movie of all time. Being an actress is still my number one passion and I look forward to what the future holds. Something like that makes it, you know, the, especially in a business where you get hired because people enjoy working with you or you're professional or something like that, this is the sort of thing that that actually gets you work. I mean, it doesn't necessarily make news, but it, it gets you work. It, it's like you're a pro. You took a hit and you were gracious about it. And it's like, okay, let's keep, you know, the, this young woman on our radar. That has to be kind of tough to have been a part, again, of the, the, the biggest film of all time. And it's like, eh, we're going another way with the next movie. On the other hand, you and I, when we were pre-gaming tonight, we're talking about the non-news that still got, you know, a, a full feature <laughs> yeah. piece. You know, here, right. here's Robert Downey Jr. doing yet another inter interview about how he's moving on from Marvel. And that it's like, look, I've done everything I can do with the character of Iron Man. And it's like, well, yeah, and you also died. Downey is doing an interview with the Hindustan Times. All right. So the reporter there asked him about you know, his work as Iron Man. He says, look, playing Tony in Iron Man was hard, and I dug deep. I had an incredible 10-year run that was creatively satisfying, pushed me creatively, and... Uh, right now, I have tons more ambition to do things that I haven't done before. Just the matter of me wanting to be a fit father, husband, and citizen. He talks about how, as an actor now, every time I get a script, I think about the commit and time that it's going to take away from my missus and the kiddos. He needs more time to work on more episodes of Perry Mason. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm looking forward to season two of that myself. But at the same time, what's kind of interesting is the world and the characters that we got introduced to as part of the original Iron Man uh, and Iron Man 2. What did you make of the announcement of the Armor Wars series with uh, Don Cheadle as you know, War Machine? Even though you don't have Tony Stark, you still have to have an iron mm -hmm. character mm -hmm. of some sort. So I don't think that the Iron Wars here include the Iron Heart character, do they? That was a character introduced by Brian Michael Bendis back in 2015, Riri Williams. My understanding was we were talking a limited series with that one. Does she get her armor as a result of the uh, these Iron Wars, or what? Oh, that's an interesting question. I, I feel that they should be connected mm -hmm. somehow. No, that, because it certainly makes sense. It certainly makes sense. Usually you don't have like a 16-year-old girl that just walking down the road and trips over a suit of iron that's voice activated. Oh, wow. I think you've actually, you've hit upon something here, Aaron, because if you go with the schedule that Marvel's released... These projects are virtually on top of one another. Both Ironheart right. and Armor Wars are mentioned as uh, late 2022, early 2023. So I wonder. Now, is she going to be related in any way to uh, Rhodey's character? I don't know. But yeah, no, that certainly makes sense. And, and But it, the way they're positioned the list right now, it looks like Ironheart, 
leads into Armor Wars, but I, I think you're right. I think it probably goes the other way around. I, I think that if you're going to have uh, the Armor Wars happening, it's it, like I said, you need a, an iron character, mm -hmm. even without Stark. Mm -hmm. And really, Stark is just a snarky genius. Mm -hmm. And we've got plenty of that in the MCU. Uh, Doctor Strange is a very snarky genius. If we're going to have a Fantastic Four in our dear future, we're going to end up having a Mr. Fantastic, mm -hmm. who is one of the very smartest in all of the MCU. So uh, just give him a snarky attitude, and boom, you've got your Stark replacement. By the way, I would like to toss mm -hmm. out uh, my nomination for George Clooney as Mr. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. I just think Clooney would be fantastic as, as Reed. I've also heard John... Krasinski possibly being yeah you know they've been pushing that one for a long time and I really like him as an actor it's just that I have a as I am getting older I like the idea that you know actors that are in action movies don't have to necessarily be 19 mm -hmm. in age I don't want a Harrison Ford 88 years old doing Indiana Jones 17 with the walker mm -hmm. but I think George Clooney could could be smart and uh, flexible with some CG, so boom. Okay. What and what more do you need? Well, more to the point, I've been I've been hearing great things about Midnight Sky that's going to be dropping over the next couple of days. But what's funny is that they, he's out doing interviews right now, you know. And of course, you you have to deal with the these all manner of idiotic questions. So the headline over at Cinema Blend is to the effect of George Clooney's not interested in being the next Bond, but. Geez, it would have been interesting if somebody asked him about, you know, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, something like that. But, all right. Well, I, maybe we'll have an answer for that for you folks on the on the next Marvelous Disney. But hopefully we'll get our next episode up just before the end of the year. And Aaron and I will look back at 2020 and... We'll curse it the whole way through. <laughs> it just sucked. I'll give you a preview of the next, the next show. It just sucked. All of 2020, it sucked. Everything we wanted to happen was put on hold. We sat here and we waited. They put it on a calendar and then they pushed it back. It sucked. That's our episode. Good night, everybody. Well, <laughs> just save them all an hour of time. <laughs> all right. Well, until we get to that delightful <laughs> podcast. All right. Uh, we got some other shows here we'd like you to take a look at, folks. We got Disney Dish with Lentesta, which, by the way, we... We're doing some fun stuff over at Bandcamp uh, with that one. We're, we're, what, four episodes in now to the uh, Joseph Bankowitz uh, Epcot archive. And uh, again, we're, we're Glenn and I are tripping over some amazing stuff there. Drew and I just recorded a brand new episode of Fine Tuning. Uh, also talked about a lot of the animation related stuff from Pixar and Disney and, and Blue Sky and the like that came out of Investor's Day. Dan Z and I recorded, uh, well, the second to last episode he and I will be doing together on looking at Lucasfilm, but we also talked the Investor Day stuff there. Dustin Fuse and I will be recording a new uh, Universal Joint later this week. Likewise, uh, Michelle Valladolid and I are working on a new I Want That for your last minute shopping, Christmas shopping inspiration. If you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend marvelous disney that would be very very helpful uh, if you want to hand over to Bandcamp and subscribe again that would be very helpful you can find us on twitter and instagram is jim hill media and over on facebook as jim hill media news and please tune in for the next show folks because maybe we'll talk about how there were aspects of 2020 that didn't suck which to, though to be honest none of them immediately come to mind so. it all sucked it was horrible <laughs> You know, it's like stubbing your toe over and over and over, except it was not quite as delightful as stubbing your toe over and over and over. Uh, well, all right. So we were trying to figure out what, what to put on the marvelous Disney merch. I think we've just hit the catchphrase. Okay. So right. anyway, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back soon.